Support for The Bittersweet Life comes from our listeners. This week, I want to thank over on Patreon, Rachel, Jill, and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on patreon.com slash thebittersweetlifepodcast. I also want to thank over on PayPal, Michael, Linda, and Paul. Thank you so much for your support of the show and to the Reverend Cynthia for mailing me a check. All of your donations are so valuable and so important to keeping this show going. If you haven't heard, on Saturday, March 12th, we'll be doing an online meetup. All major donors and supporters on Patreon will be invited. We'll be gathering and maybe even recording a live show with all of you together. That's Saturday, March 12th, 2022. It'll be at 9 in the morning if you're in Seattle, West Coast time in the United States, and 6 p.m. if you're over in Rome, like Tiffany, and everything in between. It's not too late to join us. Find links to donate in the show notes. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. This is also the third installation in our free Art in Rome's Churches miniseries. We started with a mini-episode on oil paintings and frescoes back in bittersweet moment number 139 and continued with sculptures in bittersweet moment number 142 and today I'm going to talk about mosaics. There are so many mosaics in Rome's churches of an extremely high artistic level that I I can't possibly talk about them all. I will try to mention the most important ones, and I will focus specifically on my personal favorites and the ones that I think are truly noteworthy, although really they're all worth seeing. So if you have a lot of time in Rome and mosaics are your passion, you could almost spend three or four days just scouring the city and finding the best mosaics in Rome's churches, all, of course, for free. Now, of course, there are lots of mosaics in Rome's museums as well. These are generally going to be a little bit older, dating to the uh, ancient Roman period. You can find these both in in situ, as it were, in archaeological sites, such as in the nearby Ostia Antica and also the Baths of Caracalla. You can also find them transported and relayed in museums, such as the Vatican Museums, as well as the... um, Centrale Monte Martini Museum. So there are plenty of ancient Roman mosaics to see, but that's not what I'm going to talk about. I'm really talking about Paleo-Christian and Byzantine mosaics that you can see, as I mentioned, in Rome's churches, all for free. The oldest that you're going to find are in Santa Costanza. Now, Santa Costanza is technically a church, but before it was a church, it was the mausoleum of Emperor Constantine's daughter, Costanza. And you can find it at the same location as Sant'Agnese Fuori le Mura, which is sort of north of the city center, not right in the middle of town. So 
it is absolutely worth a bit of a trek to get up there. There are several buses that go in that direction, so it's not that far out of the city, but it's just not right in the heart of town. There are mosaics in Sant'Agnese Fuori le Mura as well, as I'll mention later. They're uh, from a, a little bit later period. But I think the really most fascinating ones are in Santa Costanza because here you see in this circular space, as I said, it was originally an ancient Roman mausoleum from the early 4th century. Um, you see a ceiling. It's a barrel vaulted ceiling and it is created with mosaics that really are bridging the gap between ancient Roman mosaics like you would see in other sites in the city and early Christian mosaics. So you'll see lots of geometrical shapes, hexagons and octagons interconnecting in a very unusual way that you you, you then see repeated and copied in much later art and also lots of flowers and other plants. So these mosaics are from the mid-4th century, 340 to 360 AD. And although they're not that Christian in design, um, you really will see a really interesting sort of bridge between one style and the next. Jumping ahead about 50 years, we find ourselves in a church called Santa Pudenciana. These are much different. You'll see the sparkly aspect to them, for lack of a better word. Um, the mosaics from this period and going for another few hundred years from the early 400s, so 402 to 417, these particular ones in this church, they have a much more religious theme going on. We see lots of saints and other doctors of the church and, of course, Christian symbols, very blatant Christian symbols. And you also see the color gold starting to appear, gold leaf actually painted onto the back of glass tiles that makes this sort of sparkly aspect to the truly Byzantine and medieval mosaics that we start to see from this period onward. This particular mosaic, which is in the apse of the church, was heavily restored in the 16th century, though. So keep that in mind when you take a look at it, because at first glance, it looks much more recent than it actually is. And that is the reason for that. There are also some great mosaics from this period at Santa Sabina on one side of the nave. Santa Maria Maggiore on the Triumphal Arch. The Triumphal Arch, by the way, is a very specific part of the church. If you're looking towards the high altar, and you have, of course, the apse, just beyond. The apse is, of course, the circular, very large niche that you'll see uh, in most churches behind the altar. The triumphal arch is, is a sort of partial wall, usually placed just before the altar in literally an arch shape. And it's a very distinct section, a distinct wall from the apse. The majority of the mosaics that I'm talking about in churches are going to be either in the apse or on the, the triumphal arch. Now, I'm not going to go into in detail every single theme and every single character and thing represented in these mosaics because we don't have time for that. But I will tell you that generally you're going to see the same sort of subjects on a triumphal arch. You're going to see saints generally and also Old Testament prophets and often you'll see on the lower part, both on the right and the left, a mosaic depicting what looks like a small little glittering city. What this represents is Jerusalem on one side, generally on the right, and Bethlehem on the left. 
you'll see this very specifically in the mosaics at Santa Maria Maggiore. We have mosaics there both in the triumphal arch and in the nave. These date to um, between 432 and 440 AD and also in another of the four major basilicas of Rome, San Paolo Fuori Le Mura. Now this church is very particular because it was almost completely destroyed by fire in the, I want to say it was the 17 or 1800s. Almost the entire church was destroyed. I talk about this on one of the very first bittersweet life moments, which I can't remember the number of, but it's called fire and it's probably like number two or number four, very, very early. Um, although some San Paolo Fuori Le Mura was almost entirely destroyed. Miraculously, the apse mosaics were saved. That was the only part of the church that didn't collapse. Uh, and they are definitely worth a look, both for that reason alone, but also for their beauty. And, you know, when you think about these mosaics being from the fifth century, it's it's hard to believe that um, that, they're, that they're still in such amazing condition. Jumping ahead a little bit further into the sixth century, the church Santi Cosma e Damiano has fascinating apse mosaics. This is the first time, at least in Rome, that we see mosaics with, instead of a gold background, we see them with a blue background. And this becomes very popular in the middle Byzantine period, which we're sort of coming up on at this point. Um, I, I Honestly, when you look at these mosaics, they almost don't look like there is almost something modern about them it's so it's hard to describe it particularly when you look at the clouds in some of these middle byzantine mosaics there was a very specific way they depicted clouds and sometimes they almost look like ufos (laughs) from a modern perspective and uh and i just love them and i i don't really know why i love them but they just look just such an, you have to really see it to understand, but such an unusual way of depicting a cloud. There are also some mosaics in that church from about a century later in the Triumphal Arch. Two interest, other interesting things about this church, one of them, they have nothing to do with mosaics, one of them is that if you go to the very front of the church, not not the side of the high altar, but where you would sort of enter, if you look down, there's, there's a glass section in the wall and you can actually look down and see into an ancient Roman temple that is actually basically part of the Roman Forum. Uh, It's the um, Temple to Romulus, not the Romulus, one of the founders of Rome, but the son of an emperor many, many years later in, I believe, the third century AD. So this is just interesting in and of itself because that temple is almost never open. The church was built on top of it. So by looking through that window, you can see down into that temple. And another interesting thing about that church is that outside on the one of the walls leading up to the entrance of the church, you can find pieces of basically the oldest map to survive ancient Rome, a map uh, drawn on marble, etched in marble. And most of it has been lost, but some of the pieces were, were discovered and pieced back together on the wall, the outer wall of this church. So that in itself is worth seeing. Um, we've got lots of churches from that period as well with similar mosaics. San Lorenzo Fuori Le Mura, for example, with mosaics on their triumphal arch dating to the late 6th century, as well as, as I mentioned before, Sant'Agnese Fuori Le Mura, 
with frescoes in the apse from the early 7th century AD. Then we skip ahead to the 9th century, and there are really sort of, really three separate periods of Byzantine mosaics in Rome's churches. The first that I've just discussed, the second, which is from the 9th century, and the, and the final period, which is the 12th century. So the great 9th century mosaics in Rome's churches can be found in Santi Nereo e Achilleo, which also has a blue background, Santa Presede. Santa Presede has two different areas that have been decorated with mosaics. The first is the apse. The apse mosaics, again, in blue with just extraordinary clouds, as I mentioned, very UFO-looking clouds. That was done in between 1817 and 1824. But at the same time, there was a chapel decorated with mosaics in that church, a side chapel, a very, very small chapel. If I could suggest one place to go, you only have one place to go to look at medieval mosaics in Rome, go to Santa Presede. It is, I would say, the number one best place because not only are you going to see those beautiful blue backgrounded apse mosaics, but the San Zenone Chapel is one of the true jewels of Rome. One of those tiny little places. I mean, there's there's probably about 10 places in Rome that are just, that can only be described as jewels. The Tempietto of Bramante, the Sancta Sanctorum at um, San Giovanni Laterano, and a few others for various reasons, obviously, and in different periods. Another one might be uh, Santivo alla Sapienza, but definitely one of them is the San Zenone Chapel of Santa Presede. It looks like, if you can imagine, if you've ever been to Venice and you've ever seen St. Mark's Basilica, if you were to shrink it down into, I mean, a space that is less than probably one one-hundredth of the space of St. Mark's, that is the San Zenone Chapel. It's entirely, almost entirely, gold mosaics. Um, you've got images of angels, images, an image of Christ, uh, you've got four ancient columns, one in each corner, supporting the barrel vaulted ceiling. And it's just indescribable. You you feel like, I don't know, I, I, I can't even describe the feeling that you get when you're inside there. Other than that, it's almost like you're, I don't know, it's like a little corner of heaven. <laughs> Very gold and sparkly heaven. Absolutely exquisite. Mosaics from the exact same period, 817 to 824, were done at Santa Cecilia in Trastevere. I talked about Santa Cecilia both in the statue mini episode on free art in Rome's churches, as well as the painting one. So Santa Cecilia really checks all three boxes, whether you love mosaics, frescoes, or statues, Santa Cecilia has it all. And also Santa Maria in Domnica, same exact period, 1817 to 1824. What was going on at that period? Byzantine artists were fleeing from Byzantium or Constantinople because of iconoclasm. And there was really a, a mosaic revival happening in Rome at that time. So they fled Constantinople for Rome, where they would have been able to actually carry out their artwork. And Rome is all the better for that. Um, the fact that they were able to come to Rome that ensured that the art of medieval mosaic would survive and continue. And it d does continue. It continues into, as I mentioned, the 12th century in the Church of San Clemente, 
which I mentioned in our fresco episode, you can find on the Triumphal Art and a magnificent late Byzantine mosaic of the Tree of Life. Totally different from what you're going to see in these other churches. There are a few aspects, there are a few decorative elements that carry over uh, images of the 12 apostles in the form of lambs, images of the tetramorph. The tetramorph is the name for the four symbols of the, uh, the four evangelists. You may see this in churches, whether in mosaic or in painting, and, and be a little bit confused by it. Usually it's at the very top of the apse, like at the very, 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 very top in the arch that goes over the apse. The one that makes most people stare is an image of a bull with wings, <laughs> um, a holy, holy cow. So the winged bull or ox represents St. Luke. The winged eagle represents St. John. The winged lion represents St. Mark. You'll see this a lot in Venice because, of course, St. Mark is the patron saint of Venice. And the winged man, or also considered a winged angel, is St. Matthew. So these are at the very top, and you'll see these in other churches and in other artworks in Rome. But what really makes this particular mosaic different from the others is the tree of life which depicts an enormous tree in the center of the apse with dozens and dozens of branches sort of spiraling out from it with dozens and dozens of different images of animals and people doing very ordinary things watering their plants taking care of their land and you could sit there and stare at it, I think, for probably a half an hour, just trying to find all of the different elements in it because there is so much going on. I would probably say this is my number two, just on my personal preference list of Rome's mosaics after, of course, the San Zanoni Chapel. And lastly, we come to Santa Maria in Trastevere, which again, I mentioned in a previous episode. There are two different periods of mosaics going on here. Up above in the arch over the apse, we have the coronation of the Virgin, which again, anonymous, like all of the other mosaics that I've talked about thus far. It dates from between 1130 and 1143. Um, but below that, we have the mosaics of the life of Mary, six different scenes, six different rectangular scenes. And these we actually know who created these, or at least who designed them, and that was our old friend Pietro Cavallini. I talked about Pietro Cavallini's frescoes at Santa Cecilia in Trastevere, but he also did mosaics, or at least he designed them, and then mosaic artists carried out his designs in that medium. So these were done in 1291, and they're really interesting because there's a big, there's even a change from the mosaics above, which were only done, you know, 100, 150 years earlier, the ones below by Pietro Cavallini have much more of a sense of perspective. I mean, it's it's early perspective. It's not what you're going to see in the Renaissance, but it's sort of the precursor of that. Also, they're much more realistic. The forms are much more three-dimensional. So that is interesting to see. And there are also some mosaics that are attributed to Pietro Cavallini in the nearby church of San Crisogono, which is also in Trastevere, also from the 1290s. 
I think you probably have a lot to start with if you're a mosaic lover and you're planning a trip to Rome. So like I said, there are probably many more churches with gorgeous mosaics in the city, but these are the most important ones. These are my favorite. And I will be writing up a list of all of these churches with addresses for a future newsletter. I did that for our statues and our frescoes mini episodes, as I mentioned, 139 and 142. If you would like to know where those frescoes and those statues are, sign up for our newsletter, write us a note, tell me that you want to get that newsletter. It's last month's newsletter, but I will make sure you get it if you write me a note. You can write to us on social media or on uh, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Just search for the Bittersweet Life podcast, or you can write to us directly bittersweetlifepodcast at gmail.com. Send us your email address. Specify if you'd also like to get last month's newsletter with the addresses of the um, churches with statues and frescoes. I will be talking about these ones uh, in depth and with addresses on a future newsletter. I hope you enjoyed this little mosaic lesson. Join us again. Bye. Katie here. You can also find our newsletter just by visiting thebittersweetlife.net. You can tool around there, see all the special features and pictures we have. And in just a moment of tooling around, you'll have a little pop-up window that will ask you if you'd like to sign up for our newsletter. If you do, just enter your email address. In addition to Tiffany's tips and the addresses of all these wonderful sites she's been talking about, you'll get a monthly peek into the things we're reading, the things we're thinking about, and lots of insider tips on what to do in Rome or Italy. That's thebittersweetlife.net. While you're there, if you're interested in donating to the show, you'll find buttons to either support us through Patreon or PayPal. Talk to you next week. Bye. Thank you.